You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. This story is about Palm Sunday. The main character of this story is Jesus. Hello. Jesus was liked by the crowds and he had some cool, close friends called disciples. Yay! But there were some bad guys who didn't like Jesus. Our story begins on the outskirts of Jerusalem. One day, as Jesus and his followers were approaching Jerusalem, Jesus did something surprising. He sent two of his disciples to a nearby town to collect a donkey. What if they collected a motorbike instead? No, Amos, they collected a donkey. Jesus told them exactly where to find this donkey. He said, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a dinosaur. No, Amos, a donkey. Okay, you'll find a donkey tied there. Untie it and bring it to me. Anyone says anything to you? Hey, what are you doing? Say that the Lord needs it. Oh, okay. And he will send it straight away. The two disciples did exactly as they were told. Jesus rode this donkey into Jerusalem. Those who believed that he was a king laid cloaks and branches down on the ground to make way for him. Why did they do that? This was a way for the crowds to show honour to Jesus whom they believed was important. They called out things like, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Not everyone was happy to have Jesus staying in Jerusalem. There were those who wanted to kill him because they did not like that the crowds were following him. They plotted and planned to destroy him. ha! <laughs> But Jesus knew what was to come and what he had to do. He'd come to save us all. We're going to read our Bible reading for today, which comes from Matthew 21, uh, and it starts at verse 1. So if you've got a Bible there, it'd be great to follow along. Uh, You can download a Bible onto your phone and follow it along there. Matthew chapter 21 starting at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, 
while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Julie is now going to come and bring us our teaching for this morning. Good morning. My name is Julie Glinko and I'll be preaching today. I want to start by praying. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us in powerful ways wherever we are meeting right now. And I pray you'd speak through me, um, giving words of comfort and hope and being with me as I speak as well. In Jesus' name, amen. The world is in a crisis that the majority of us have never seen or known before. It is moving at a pace which is dizzy and disorientating. The passage today on Palm Sunday shows us some very real anchors of hope in Christ, words of comfort and God guidance looking forward. We're all no doubt finding new ways to enjoy being at home and keep our own physical, spiritual and emotional health strong and making the most of this new normal. Earlier in the week, while I was in social isolation along with everyone else, I decided I'd go and tour some of the world's art galleries and take advantage of their virtual tours. Specifically, I thought I'd take a look at how people had portrayed Jesus Christ over the last couple of centuries. Have you ever Googled German Jesus? German Jesus tends to look like a slightly chubby, quite strong, red-cheeked, happy man that's often portrayed in communal settings. Pacific Jesus you'll find Jesus playing with children on the beach in the Pacific. My favourite was Japanese Jesus, where Jesus was on a, wearing a kimono and on the cross. People around him were taunting him and having Japanese weapons facing at him. Now, don't imagine that we, don't, we can't escape it ourselves. I can't imagine that some people there might think, oh, yeah, Jesus was probably a handsome chap, relaxed, kind. Maybe he drank craft beer. We all wear the lens of our own culture when we look at him. None of these ones that I've just told you about are specifically accurate historically, but they're images which invoke curiosity and imagination and help us to think afresh on this world-famous figure. The thing is, I noticed that each country at different times had felt drawn to him, drawn to his teachings, drawn to what he said about God and had wrestled with that. He is a Messiah for the whole world, for every nation, even now in the midst of this global trauma. And it was beautiful to see so many nations in a way claiming them as one of him, one of theirs, looking to him for inspiration and hope. His words crossing, cross, crossing cultural boundaries and bringing comfort to those who listen. And they remain a source of strength and assurance in our, in our day today. We'll look at that shortly. It was also heartwarming to look at those photos and those paintings and various graffiti arts and think about how the artist had portrayed the purpose and character of Christ. There was always a juxtaposition. In some ways, he was the all-powerful saviour of the world, yet full of joy and gentleness. Or the son of God, holiest person to ever walk the planet, 
yet friends of sinners. Or king of kings, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, yet entering Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Watching church from screens today because, like everyone, we're forbidden to meet in numbers. COVID-19 is affecting every nation on earth and we're experiencing a global humanity and vulnerability like never before. Yet there has never been a more important time to know that God is king. He is sovereign. He knows your circumstances and will act in love towards you because he cares for you. I believe each artist, as they were painting or creating their aspect of Jesus, would have asked, who is this man? In the story we heard today, the crowds also asked, who is this man? As they saw him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's a question that we should ask this Palm Sunday. Who is this man? We're going to look at a two-minute clip from the Alpha series. It was put together by the Alpha team as part of their course, which explores faith. He is arguably the most famous person in history. Over two billion people claim to follow him. That's one third of the world's population. He's represented in art and literature more than any other figure. Time magazine called him the most influential person who has ever lived. But who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Mm. Um, uh, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, I believe he was a person. Um, he's the son of God. I don't believe Jesus ever really existed. He's the son of God. If I have to answer that question, I would say God. Uh, he plays on the wing for Chelsea. If you read the Bible, I, I don't think I could believe in all of that. Everything. <laughs> He can be any, but for me, he's everything. Who is Jesus? To be honest with you, I don't know. I'm not super religious or anything, so, I mean, he, I guess he's a savior or something. <laughs> Personally, I think that Jesus is probably a really cool dude who lived a long time ago and gave great advice to people, and it snowballed from there. So the best way to answer the question, who is Jesus, is to read what he says about himself. He says he's the exact representation of his father. When asked why he came, he says, I came to bring life and life in abundance. Another way to find out about Jesus is to talk to others who have met him. It's what the people on the streets of Jerusalem did on that day. It's what we should do today, now more than ever. Earlier this week, I was calling different people and seeing how they were going. I was speaking to an elderly man and he said, oh, no worries, Julie. I've been locked in isolation in the past when they were protecting me from whooping cough. God protected me and was faithful then. He'll be faithful to me now. Just hearing that story and hearing his perspective and knowing he knows who God is encouraged my faith. And I encourage you, now's the time to draw near to each other, to continue to meet together and encourage each other in our faith. You'll hear what God has done in other people's lives and then it gives you courage of his same faithfulness towards you. Continuing the question of who is this man, we're going to pause for a bit to listen to the story of a Middle Eastern man who has recently come to faith. The story comes from a letter which I received from one of my friends in, in an email. And the letter, the story is based around a Christmas dinner gathering. 
I turned to my teammate and she began to explain how at Christmas we celebrate Jesus' birth and how Jesus is like an incredible gift to us, a gift we never deserved or earned. So at Christmas, we give gifts to each other to celebrate the great gift that God first gave us. Muhammad, a large, tough-looking, influential business owner, suddenly teared up as he remembered his first experience of God's grace. I first met Jesus in a dream, he said. You know, I've never told anyone this before, he confided, slightly embarrassed. But I just felt insignificant, like I was a grain of sand, one of millions and billions of people. And I remember crying out to Allah, do you even see me? That night I had a dream and I saw myself being lifted out of my home into the sky. As I was raised among the stars, they all became eyes and they looked at me. Then I heard a voice say my name and say, I see you. He teared up again. That's when I first started looking into Christianity. We sat and absorbed this. One of the girls at the table piped up and said, you know, I had a dream too. One by one, all the local believers at that table shared the dreams that had prompted them to investigate Christ. While not all believers come to faith this way, it is astonishingly common over here. A Muslim friend invited along that night to listen to the stories with eyes as wide as saucers. Who is this man? This man who is still turning hearts and lives to him, appearing in dreams to people and bringing that peace that passes understanding to people's hearts. Let's look at the story of Palm Sunday now and see what this passage says to us today. Such a relevant message. The beautiful thing about scripture is that it's useful for us all the time to see who God wants to be for us in any point of crisis or time in history. The context of the cartoon, which the Lego cartoon, which we saw earlier, is that it's set in Jerusalem. People had travelled from all over Israel for Passover. Passover is a Jewish festival which happens annually as family and friends gather together and celebrate God's victory in their life. At this particular point of time, they would have heard that Jesus was coming and there were crowds that were gathering. Some of them were gathering because a crowd draws a crowd. Why not see what the fuss is all about? Others were gathering because they heard it was Jesus, the man who had been performing miracles in the last couple of days, weeks and months, and out of curiosity wanted to find out more. Others were gathering because they believed what he said and they wanted to hear and, and see more of this man. To add to the celebration and slight chaos, we have the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, and Jesus had severely put their nose out of joint. They were disturbed and he was upsetting the status quo. You see, the Jewish people were waiting for a political messiah. And what they'd heard and seen of Jesus, they started wondering, is this the man who's going to rescue us and give Israel the former glory that it used to have? Which upset the leaders and they were, they were out to get him. So there was a lot of chaos. So there's this crazy mania, lots of crowds seeing Jesus arriving at the gates, cheering him on with palm fronds and laying down their cloaks, waving whatever they had around. Palm fronds were a sign of jubilee, of victory, of peace and triumph. It was the gift which athletes received in ancient Greece after winning a race, and it meant victory. 
It's why many churches today, including us, still use palm fronds as a way to remember this momentous day, this sign of victory. It's called Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. So you can picture the scene and you can imagine Jesus coming in. He could have used a chariot. He could have used a war horse. He could have merely walked in. He could have arranged for an enormous brass band to be playing as he made his regal entry. And yet he did the most curious of things. Seeing this big fanfare and hearing that people had thought he was the political messiah, he called for a donkey. Verse 2, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Not a chariot, not a war horse, not simply walking in. Not a donkey, an animal considered dumb, good for nothing but basic work, a beast of burden, they were called. What on earth is going on here? I'd suggest three reasons. The first is Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. Specifically, a prophecy that Zechariah had said. He was a prophet from 500 years prior. And he'd written to the people of Israel at the time, the words that followed in the reading we saw today. I'll read them again, verse 5. Say to daughter Zion, that means the people of Jerusalem and the people of Israel, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here's the thing. Jesus would have read those scriptures. He totally knew what he was doing. He knew it hadn't been fulfilled yet. So we got there and having the choice to keep walking or ask for the donkey, he'd, he chose the donkey. I think Jesus is being a total sassy agitator. Yeah, I've read those scriptures. I know they haven't been fulfilled yet. Right now I'm going to fulfill them. Get the donkey, I'm going to ride on it. And I know in doing that it's going to cause people to think. It's going to cause some to get agitated. It's going to cause some to be furious. But I want to come in riding on that donkey with its foal next to it. In this case, Jesus is consciously choosing to fulfill Zachariah's prophecy. Yet as you explore and look at his life, you'll see that he fulfilled hundreds and hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament. Some of them he had no control over. Things like where he was born, how he would die, how he was betrayed by a friend. You couldn't have said that 600 years earlier and yet these things occurred. So number one, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Number two, Jesus knew what was to come in Jerusalem. While the crowds were cheering and celebrating, he knew that in the following week, betrayals, friends deserting him, crucifixion and death on a cross, taking on the sin of the world and breaking the bondages and chains of sin and death forever awaited him. While the crowds rejoiced, he walked in humble humility, knowing what was ahead. The third reason, and the one probably most significant to us today, is Jesus is showing in powerful ways the clash of two kingdoms. The kingdom of Jerusalem at the time expected and anticipated a royal parade for such royalty. Their king had come. Celebrate with cheers and honour and victory and rejoicing. And yet he came riding on a donkey. 
to show his kingdom, the kingdom of God, which was about meekness, humility, and yielding. The kingdom of the world offering greatness, glory, and fame through armies, conquests, and great battles. Yet he came in a way which offered in bold proclamation peace, love, compassion for others, and a life laid down in service. A slightly confusing victory parade, perhaps, as Jesus walks steps closer to his ultimate sacrifice of dying on the cross and doing so out of love for those who were cheering at the time, cheering, Hosanna in the highest, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, which means praise him a lot. And yet those same people the following week would be jeering and taunting him with, crucify him. Who is this man? The people of Jerusalem asked. Verse 11, this is Jesus, the crowds answered, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this man? The Muslim man asked earlier of the man that appeared to him in a dream. Who is this man to us today in the midst of a global pandemic, we might ask? Artwork attempts to capture him or facets of his life and teaching, but it's best to know him personally. For those of you that may have tuned in today and have never really thought through, who is Jesus? What does he mean for you and your life? I want to invite you personally to join me on Alpha after Easter. Alpha is a place where we explore faith around food and friendship. We'll be doing Alpha via Zoom. Never done it before, but let's give it a shot and see how it works. You can sign up now via the website. Uh, stjohnsdc.info, there'll be more information there on how to, how to sign up. Why not use this time to investigate the most famous figure of history and work out why one third of the world still choose to believe in him and call him their God? For others here that already know Jesus, already follow him, take courage, friends, from this story that Jesus is our king. He is our model and our example for this very time. Jesus himself taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. A reminder, like the sunset in the sky each evening, that we can trust our creator at a time like this. He is in heaven and holds the world in his hands. He holds you in his hands. We are living in a time where our world is in trauma and shocked and startled by such rapid change and unknown new data unfolding every day. It is a challenging time. And I'm sure many of us, perhaps each of us, have had ups and downs over the last fortnight as we've tried to catch up with what was happening and prepare the best way we can in our own homes. Yet in this very time, Jesus is our King, our Messiah of the whole world, of every nation, and he is as relevant today to us as he was back then in Jerusalem. His words remain true, an example, a firm inspiration for right now. The story shows us a few things of what it means for us right now. He came to serve others, to live a life of humility and service for others. What does serving others look like right now, you might ask? A few ideas. Serving others means following the government's regulations to keep others safe. 
Serving others is those hundred moments every day when we're all locked inside, wondering how best to make our home a safe and happy place for each other. Serving others is checking in on our neighbours or thinking of ways to bring joy to our street. Serving others might mean picking up the church directory, opening it up and praying for each family, just working it through. If your last name starts with Zed, you might be one of the people that want to start at the end there and work backwards just to cover both lots. Thanks, Pam Woods, for that idea. Working out how can you bless and support each family. Or serving others might mean at the beginning of every day, simply waking up and saying, God, use me. I'm yours and I'm available this very day. And look for the opportunities which he opens in front of you. This story also shows us what King Jesus is like. Kind, gentle, humble, sassy, accessible to us, not distant and separated, but near and available, not judging and condemning and pointing the finger at us, but coming near and being amongst us, reaching out with his proactive care and tender love. I often think of it as the all-powerful King Jesus surrounded by clouds of witnesses and a great army of heaven. And yet, he kneels down, reaching out to you, his hand on his heart, praying for you 24-7, showing his proactive care and tender love. He holds us in his hands. Let that sink in. It's powerful to behold. He cares for you and he is God right now. Bring your anxieties and cares to him. He is our ever-present help in time of need. I want to suggest some tangible ways we can do that, to bring our cares and anxieties to him. Some ideas which I've been practising lately which might help for you and your family. For some, they've got their way that they pray and it works for them. Stick with it, that's awesome. Here's a few other ideas. For some, you might want to write your prayers out these days. It might help to list them. Perhaps you want to grab some scripture, your favourite scripture, and write it into a prayer to help you and calm your mind and really hold on to God's words when we might be lacking our own. Another idea is to use some prayer rocks. Go and collect some rocks and tangibly hold them. Pray about the topic that's on your mind and lay them down. God, I pray about this. God, this is another thing that's on my mind. This is another thing and this is another thing. And then put those rocks in a place that represents handing them over to God. You'll see them there and you'll remember where you've placed those cares and those worries. You may want to paint your concerns out. Now, this is something I've done earlier, prepared earlier, watched the cooking shows, and this is what they do. So I painted a a stick yesterday in preparation. You might not be able to see it, but I painted the base of it in colours and was worshipping as I painted the base. And then I used little white dots, praying about the things I'd seen on the news, praying about the people I know that are particularly vulnerable at the moment, listening to God, the people I love, and asking for his protection. It's just a stick and paint, but it was a creative way for me to calm down, to pray, to give things to God and to recognise that he was there with me. 
Maybe it's worth, maybe you've got some of your own creative ideas at the moment. For others, they might find holding something tangible, a rock, a cross, holding something in their hand as they're going through particular trials or challenges, just as a physical reminder that God is with them, he cares for them and he loves them. Now, here's the thing, prayer's two-way. So we encourage you, part of it is giving it to God, but part of it is hearing back from God. We can do that through the word of God, but also the Holy Spirit is a powerful person in our lives right now to bring comfort and remind us of the things that God has said. Something I enjoyed doing after reading the passage this week was writing down on little leaves I'd found in my garden just certain aspects about who God was. He offers love and protection. He rules, he reigns. He is our hiding place in time of need. He brings peace. Jesus is king. He is sovereign. It's just a little thing, but I'm going to place them somewhere in my home where it's a reminder through the week of who God is to us. Another thing I've mentioned on other Sundays is when you find a scripture that's particularly relevant, when you hear something that you just love, yeah, that is it, that's who God is, that's what's speaking peace to me, write it in a special book, draw a painting of it and have it there as a reminder for yourself when you want to draw near to him. There's a physical and more perhaps creative ways to do that. God never changes. He's always the same. What an enormous relief when everything around us is changing. He is loving, constant, sovereign and in control. He has shown us what he's like through his entry into Jerusalem. This week you may have seen our Prime Minister Scott Morrison praying um, and he shared two particular scriptures, two promises, which really have been strength to him at the time and given him hope. I've chosen to share them with us now because it seems relevant. Psalm 34, verse 17 to 19, says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. And the second, Isaiah 58, verse 11 to 12. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden whose water never fails. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. In this case, businesses, struggling economies, we pray. And will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I'm going to finish in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, we lift up the name of Jesus. We pray that the kingdom of God and the ways of God, that they would become known at this time. Show us and our world your kindness, your goodness, your powerful care and protection. Your will be done. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Use this pandemic for good. We cast our concerns and cares to you and ask you for what we need this day. Forgive us where we have trusted in ourselves instead of trusting in you. We repent and turn from that to your ways. Help us to show compassion, mercy and love to others. We pray to know you more, King Jesus, that your peace would abide in our hearts. Make your ways known to us on this earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh for the day ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.